ready for the interview And if you get a cue live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo, let's have a combo Say what you feel, be real That's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD, hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals Simon, you look very dapper today, you know. Well, thank you. Yeah, you put yourself together for this. Thanks. <laughs> I'm wearing, my, my children asked me how old this sweater is the, just the other week. And I told them, well, it's older than any of you. <laughs> it's old. <laughs> and I think it's a women's double or triple XL. I like this. So... So that, that's, that's dapper for me. It's dapper. You look like, you know, you're going to write the next great novel or something. Uh, here we go. How about this? Is this? Oh, wow. You just upgraded even more. <laughs> is, this, is this working for me? Now you're, now you're like Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> it's the hair, it's the glasses, it's everything. You know? That's it's funny. No. You know what this scarf is here for? I, I do wear this scarf. It's my favorite scarf, but it's actually here. Because at night, when I, I'm trying to go to sleep, I, I drape this scarf over some of the LED lights on some of my equipment over here. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that they don't keep me up at night. That's yeah. what the scarf is here for. <laughs> it's not for wearing, for actual, you know, that's, fashion. Man, that's, that's what everybody wanted to know. That's why people are tuning into this right now. <laughs> and it's like, why does Simon have a scarf? I thought these right. guys reviewed movies and stuff and shows. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, all right. Well, speaking of, here we are, the arbiters of bad taste. Yes. But good taste, but, really. But yeah. it's really good taste. Yeah. Because, I mean, what we're talking about today. Oh. You know, so I have been recommending this show to everybody. That's awesome. Um, and... I've been telling people it's one of the best series shows that I think I've I've seen in quite a long time, at least. And then as I say that, I rack my brain to think of a better series that I've seen. And I can't think of one. I really can't. As far as like, you know, a drama and all these kind of things, you know. Yeah. You feel strongly about it. And we're talking about Midnight Mass here. Exactly. On Netflix. If you haven't watched it, it's uh it may be one of the best series ever made. That's not even a joke. It's like no, yeah, it's stuff. not. Like, it's not. It, I mean to turn up my volume a little bit because I want to hear you. You want you need to hear me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I you know, I've been telling people I think it's one of the best written shows I can think of. Um uh, you know the 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 script is so tight the dialogue is so good so i went online and i was looking up reviews i wanted to know what other people thought of this show and of course lots of people love it but um i already love it so i don't want to hear about that so i'm looking for people who, i'm looking for the detractors mm -hmm. and it was so funny to uh to read these things because you know, this is all a matter of taste, right? So somebody posted recently on, on social media that they had finally gotten around to watching The Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and that they just love it and they love the music and they can't believe they waited this long to watch it. <laughs> I walked out of that. <laughs> you know? And this uh, is somebody like I am as in love with Hugh Jackman as a straight guy can be. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think he's the handsomest and, and he seems like the sweetest, kindest, yeah. joyful, most joyful person I can think of. Yeah. Um, and and so for me to walk out of his film, even if it's bad, is is saying a lot, you know, is to say that, you know, I just really hated everything about it. I hated the script. <laughs> I hated, I hated the visuals. I hated the music, you know, oh, but man. this is, I'm saying this because of my point that say that what people were saying they hated about this show was everything I loved about it. Mm. It was slow. There's so much talking, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, uh, th those are the things that pop out right off, right off the bat because, you know, it's a slow burn. Is it six or seven? episodes it's something like that it's yes uh, in that range i think so and each episode's about an hour yeah you know, so it takes some time to get through you know and and it's set on 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 an island it's very like everything is just right there you know this is not a globe trotting adventure no there's no. no fight choreography. There's no, you know what I mean? Yes. This is like, you, you're coming to watch this because you're interested in, in a few things, I think. I think you're, A, you're interested in big ideas. You're interested in a story being told in a way you've never seen before. And you're interested in amazing conversations between great characters portrayed by great actors. And for me, those are the reasons you watch this. If, if, if those aren't your bag, then you can probably just, just you know, <laughs> dismiss everything that we're saying that, about this show being so great. You know, yeah. if, 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 if your favorite movies are like Transformers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Michael Bay may, movies. <laughs> yeah, maybe this isn't going to be your thing. Probably you know? not. Probably not. You know, I was struck by and one of the overarching there's several themes in here and and simon and i from time to time discuss religion actually quite a bit we talk about it, and there's certainly a very large aspect to that and it's another it's a very different take on a vampire movie and a very yeah. well thought out not like dracula 2000 version <laughs> <laughs> so uh, here's a question before we dive too deep are we are we just going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't watched it? Okay. Yeah, we're gonna and I think we should just warn people right off the bat. If, if you haven't watched it and you don't want it to be spoiled, then, then maybe press pause yeah. on this, go watch <laughs> it and then come back. Um, because it is a, so I try to get my 19 year old daughter to, to watch this. And um she said, you know, she looked at it and it looked really religious, you know, and to, to entice her to watch it. I said, now, what if the Monsignor was a vampire? Would that interest you? She's like, <laughs> okay, all right. Can okay. I interest you in a yeah. religious priest vampire? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she watched it, uh, convinced her and 
you know, I asked her, Hey, what, what would you, what rating would you give it out of 10? And she gave it a nine. And I was wow. like, yeah, yeah, it it's really about right. was about a nine. And you know, what's interesting is, um, so I've watched it twice through the first time I watched it. I admit that I missed some stuff. I walked in and out a few times. Um, Shannon, my wife was, uh, the one initially watching it and I just kind of like was coming in, but I was, I was enjoying it a lot. I was just coming in and out of it because I missed a few little sections of it. The first time I watched it, I loved it, but I probably would have given it a seven or an eight because I had a few little things, problems with it, yeah. watching it a second time and actually, and not, you know, walking in and out of it. Now I'm just like, well, this is a 10. Yeah. This is a 10. It is a 10. It, it, it's just like, I can't, I, I don't have any problems with it. You know what I mean? It's like, and I'm somebody who, who really kind of overanalyzes a lot of things. And so I will find some, a problem, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I don't mean to, I just have a really skeptical brain and I don't, I, I, I don't usually take things at face value, you know, kind of thing. And when I'm watching something, I'm, I'm normally thinking about the technical aspects of what I'm watching. I'm thinking about what were the script writers thinking, you know, when they wrote these lines and uh, how are these themes intertwining with, with one another? And uh, even just like how they're creating the lighting. So yeah. often when they're out on the rowboat on the water, right? I'm thinking about how they've created the green screen effects and the lighting to get all this, you know, stuff. Uh, because anymore, you know, lazy might not be the right word, but usually most filmmakers today either don't have the time and the budget to wait for the perfect night to film these scenes on, you know? Right, right. So we just green screen it. We, you know, and so I'm thinking about how they created the moonlight and, you know, all, all this stuff. So it, it's a real problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> but in this movie uh, or this series, I just don't have any problems yeah. with it. I, I don't have any hangups. Yeah. You know? I, I didn't either. I, I, well, I think initially I was like the first episode, I was like, it's a little slow. I tend to like things that come on a little bit quicker, but I was like, I'm interested in the kind of the lore of this whole thing and the characters yeah. and the brokenness of the characters. I'm very attracted to broken characters. Yeah. And there's a lot of broken characters in this and a lot of- He likes damaged goods, everybody. Damaged goods, yes. <laughs> and you're thinking to yourself, okay, it's like, what is, is this vampirism? Like, is like, how much of this is this? But I thought they did such a good job of weaving it in and out and not making it such a major aspect, although it was a major aspect on some level. It's interesting because when movies like this are, are done right, they're done well, like when a monster, let's just call it a monster movie. Right. You know, in the vein of like the classic MGM monster movies of Frankenstein, the werewolf, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. It, it, it's a monster movie in that vein, you know, uh, it doesn't go for the same kind of like old castle atmosphere, but it has right. its own atmosphere. It creates this small Island fishing town 
atmosphere and it never strays from it. It's perfect the whole time, the whole way through. Uh, And, and so in, in qualifying it as a monster movie, it's one of the monster movies that does it right because it's, it's not really about the monster, right? It's about the humanity. It's not about the scares, although, you know, there's scary moments. There's extremely intense moments. The 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 congregational transformation. Oh my god! Moment, you know. <laughs> I mean, that was intense. It was, intense. and you're feeling it from so many angles, and and it's an ensemble piece. So you're you're invested in a lot of different characters in this, right? And you and and, and some of the characters that you're invested in maybe you don't really like as much but you still care about them because they're also connected to characters maybe you care more about you know yeah. so, so it's, it's so scenes like that where your attention is being drawn in about six or eight different directions because you're caring about all of them it's you know the opposite of like a rambo movie where, <laughs> you know you only care about rambo you pretty know, much yeah. you know and so you don't care about anybody else you know <laughs> but in this movie you care about so many people you do you do let's jump into the characters so i remember i will take this from our last episode and we started kind of inkling towards yeah midnight mass and so kind of our overarching monsignor pruitt and you said i, I wish he'd be my type of pastor I remember you said that. My, what isn't about, that interesting? Isn't that in, I want to the, pick vi- the villain, basically. You know, yeah. it, he he's kind of the villain. He's kind of not the villain. You know, right. I mean, he he. Once again, it's such a movie that that does it right because there's there's only one true villain in the show. That's Bev. Yes. Ooh. She's the only character who, but even. Even she, even though you don't see redeeming value in her, um, I still kind of care about her. I mean, does that yeah, sound weird? No, you know, no, I just, get it. I get it. But Monsignor Pruitt, let's go back to that because it, the strange thing is that you know he's kind of the bad guy. You know that you don't agree with him. He's the mad scientist, right? He's the mad in the scientist. monster movie. Yes, he's the doctor. Frankenstein who's creating the problem but he's so wrapped up in his vision that he doesn't see that he's creating the problem he thinks he's creating the solution right so you side with him and you don't side with him and you love him and you don't I mean he has these amazing strong scenes I mean you know his sit downs his one-on-ones with the Riley character Yes. And when he's trying to get Riley to be honest with him in, in that final conference sit down that yes. they have, and he starts yelling at him and he's like, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of you lying to me. You know, and he's gone. I mean, he is so powerful and he is so true in his motivation that he's, his charisma is off the charts. It's off the charts. Completely. And when he's preaching in the church. Yes. There's something very powerful about his messages in the church, you know. 
But once again, you know they're misguided. Yes. <laughs> but at the same time, you agree with them. So I was pondering this and I was pondering some other things in my own life and things like that. And I was thinking about moments in my life when something so traumatic maybe occurred that I was willing to believe anything to make it okay. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. Yes. Because what do we all want? We all want there to be justice. We all want there to be purpose. We all want there to be reason for everything. So when something happens in our life that seems without justice, without purpose, without reason, we just start making stuff up. Yeah. I, I thought about that and I thought about what is that? How could, what, what is, what's, what's the term for that? Hmm. And this is not a scientific term for it, but I decided to define it as religious fervor. Hmm. Religious fervor is wanting so badly for something to be true that you will believe it no matter what. Doesn't matter how much evidence is piled up against it. It doesn't matter how harmful it might be to you and the people around you. You just want it to be true so badly that you will believe it and no one can prove you otherwise. Religious fervor. And we yes. see it everywhere. It doesn't matter if we're talking about being a fan of a sports team or being religious or politically affiliated or being religiously affiliated. Sure. We will just grab onto these things and believe them, even though if we were to really sit down and break it down, we know we're lying to ourselves sometimes. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And what a lot of people define that as is a leap of faith. Mm. And I don't want to offend anybody when I say these things. I understand that religion is faith-based, so it requires a leap of faith. But so often those leaps of faith, like in the case of Monsignor Pruitt, come from this space of wanting so badly to what overcome death once again he's dr frankenstein dr. he frankenstein. wants so badly to overcome death because he loves so deeply and he wants to be a part of god's plan so badly that he can't even see before his very eyes that his his angel is a monster monster yeah <laughs> The and vampire crazy. of lore. Right. You know? Who and they call the angel and some background is my old man, Monsignor Pruitt, leaves the island, goes a trip, ends up. And this part of the story I thought was very interesting, where he kind of wanders out into the desert and is in this cave. And this is where we meet the the angel. Yeah. Right there. And he the is old bit, abandoned church. The old abandoned church is ruined. This kind of relic that is uh, appears buried in the sand. Right. This like yeah. a pyramid almost type of scene. Ancient mm -hmm. ruins, and he is bitten by this angel. Right. And that's when it really starts. I said, "Oh, wait a minute. 
We're going all the way. We're going all the way in on this. That's yeah. when I was like, I can't stop watching. This. <laughs> what is yeah. this? And then he comes and there. So the church thinks the pastor's gone. So this young preacher, pastor, Monsignor Pruitt comes in. And unbeknownst to the people, it's the actual old preacher. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing youth revived. Exactly. I mean, you know, the show has done so well that I really don't think a lot of people watching it will will make a lot of connections to, like I said, the old monster films, the old MGM films. But if you really break it down to all its plot points, it's a perfect fit for these, you know, older type of of movies, uh, monster movies. And that really struck me because uh, the themes of religion and God and what it means to be a part of the universe and a part of God's plan and all that stuff. Those themes are so strong that you forget you're watching a monster flick. Yes. (laughs) So true. (laughs) So true. Because it's like the monster is always in the background, but it's always in the forefront as well, but beautifully interwoven. And this idea that Monsignor Pruitt wants this to be true so badly and this fervor and Bev is the gasoline for the fervor. She is the massive, zealous, overzealous gasoline for the fervor. She's the anti-conscience. Yes. She comes in and she, but she, once again, another thing this show does so well is intertwining scripture. Yes. And, and, and allowing that scripture to take on new meaning within the context of what's happening. And Bev does that so well. She's, <laughs> she, uh, she is a, you know, she quote the whole Bible, it seems like word right. for word. Right. So she is able to recontextualize all of these scriptures to make once again, to make it so she can believe whatever it is she wants to believe and, and make Monsignor Pruitt double down on, on his belief, yeah. even though he's <laughs> having doubts. She can right. see the doubt and she's able to help him just double down on everything and, and, and let go of doubt and just push forward. Uh, um, yeah. Even though you see it, you see it in Monsignor Pruitt's eyes. You, you just, and, and it comes to, to bear at, at the end, you know, where he just realizes everything I've, I've done is yeah. wrong. Yeah. And Bev just keeps on chugging and she's, the ending yeah. is a product almost of her own mistakes of fervor is like, let's burn it all down. Everything except one place <laughs> we're going to survive. I mean, this movie does not touch on politics ever. But isn't Bev and her followers burning down the island? Isn't that such an analogous uh, storyline to what we see a lot in America today? Yes. Where either the politicians or those who are following them would rather see everything burn than A... To not get their own way and b 
to be able to continue to believe whatever it is they wanted to believe. Yes. They would rather see the downfall of democracy than to not get their way and to, and to have to be in a position where they have to stop believing what they were believing. Yeah. And I just thought it was so beautifully done. And, and I love a show like that where you're funny enough because we're being preached at this whole show yeah. we're never being preached at does that make sense <laughs> it does make sense because the show never uh, never says even though it says it, it it's so awesome because so many favorite moments in the show i mean there are i so mean many. so many but i was thinking about just the final episode riley's mother's confrontation with bev yes i don't know when I've come that close to just weeping. Powerful, yeah. It, you know, watching a show. I, I, I can't remember the last time. Actually, I do remember because I actually did weep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my family never lets me forget about it. Mm. And, and it was because I was, uh, it was when um, uh, Steel Magnolias. <laughs> Steel Magnolias, Simon. <laughs> Dude, when all those ladies are, are after the funeral, uh, you know, after, uh, you know, um, Julia Roberts character yeah. dies and, yeah. and all the ladies are together after the funeral and they're, and, and the mamas, she's angry and they're, all, I just wept. Yeah. I, I got no shame. All right. Oh, no, I wept no. right there. <laughs> and I was, I mean, how old was I when I came out? I must've been 13 or so. I don't, I don't even know. 12 yeah. or 13. Yeah, a long time I, ago. I just wept, man. I just, I did. But that scene, I think is the closest the movies brought me to, to that kind of emotion. When, when Riley's, when, when Bev accuses, you know, Riley's parents of basically being bad parents because yeah. of the mistakes Riley made in his life. And she said he is a product of his parents. And Riley's mother just owns it with joy. She says, yeah. yes, he is every, every part of him is a part of me. And God loves him just as much as he loves you, Bev. Yeah. And when she asks her, why does that bother you so? Yes. Oh my God. That was crazy. Why does that, and the way she delivers it with the background and the scene, why does that bother you so much? When you saw the first episode and you saw, and you met Riley's mom for the first time, yeah. did you, did you, could you have ever saw that coming? No. Where she was going to be in that scene? No, because you thought very differently of her versus yes. what you saw in the final scene. You're like, wow, how did that come to fruition? She seems like a silly nothing yeah. kind of character yeah. in the first episode you know what i mean yeah once again that's what this show does so well the characters develop they're they're consistent and at the same time you see the growth yeah and i, I want to make sure we we touch on this so i, I want to say it right now is because i'm thinking about it one of the strongest parts of the show I said there's only one real villain mm -hmm. in this show. Right. Within the show, we have Muslims, atheists, Christians. 
those are our three basic categories of people in the show. None of them are good or evil because of what they believe. All of these people are either good or evil because of what they do and what they say. Yeah. And I felt like that was some of the strongest messaging of the show that once again, it wasn't preached at, it was just shown. It was just shown that Christians can be good and they can be bad. Atheists can be good and they can be bad. Muslims can be good and they can be bad. Has nothing to do with what you, right. What you're, kind of like core beliefs are it just has you're just a person this show is about people most definitely and it's about people who are and the reason i thought of it right now is because of bev's accusation uh at riley's parents that riley with all of his terrible mistakes is a product of his parents and she's and 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 riley's mother owning that saying yes every part of him is part of me is part of our family it's because he's human yeah he's just human yeah and, and so and, are you Beth. Yeah, <laughs> exactly <laughs> and all of your christianity bev has never made you a better person and, and she says it outright irony. she says yeah. you're not a good person that and was best you, you need to hear that what and a what a great spo- line. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't spoken in malice no. or spite. It was just, Bev, you need to hear this because you imagine yourself as something you're not. Yeah. And you think all of your scripture memorizing and all of the, you know, all of your holier than thou attitudes about everything has made you a good person, but it hasn't. Yeah. Right. Which is also kind of interesting, a discussion like I had told you about, I had that um, podcast about like Christian nationalism with uh, April A. Joy. I think I sent it to you. I, 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 and... I listened to it uh, <laughs> one and a half times. <laughs> one and I, a half times. Uh, yeah. I, I, I didn't get a chance. It had to walk away the same time, but I actually started following her on Instagram. I sent her a message to, to tell her how much I enjoyed that uh Right. That episode. But it kind of like tracks with a little bit of what we're talking about is this kind of this religion, I'll use your word, religious fervor of we're going to profess kindness, humility, we love all people, but then be the complete antithesis of that and how we treat people. Yes. In reality. And Bev professed those same things, but was just a, a horrible human being generally and how she treated people and i'm going to defend a lot of my christian friends right now and family uh those who has had professed belief in uh things that i think are unkind you know maybe uh, pick any any topic at random maybe gay gay marriage right I think the kind Christian thing to do following in the footsteps of our savior is to allow people to love and express love. However, they feel love. Exactly. That's how I feel. A lot of my Christian friends and family don't feel that way. They feel like it's a terrible thing and a sin. However, 
many of those people still are supportive and kind. Yeah. What I'm getting at is that they actually don't live what they believe. Yeah, that's right. In a good way. Because when the rubber hits the road, they know, as just like we've been talking about, people are people and every person deserves love. And yeah. it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter your religious political beliefs. Doesn't matter. None of that matters. Yeah. What matters is that people receive love, dignity, and kindness. Right. That's that's what matters. Which is what was interesting about Bev is that she never fell into that ever. Yeah. She just was like, like she said, you're not a good person, and you need to know that. <laughs> like, and I was thinking to myself when she said that, like. The amount of, I don't know what the right word is, but the gumption to actually tell somebody that. Yes. Hey, listen, no one is telling you. Everybody's drinking your Kool-Aid all the time. Not me. I see through this. You're not mm -hmm. a good person. And like the thing in life, when do you have those moments when you could just be very calm and say, listen, I know you're telling everybody this, but like, honestly, you're just not a good person. You know, and the, and the power and the weight behind saying that in a very calm way, you know? Yes. And, and once again, coming from a place of love, because right. in that moment, she recognizes God loves Bev just as much. Doesn't matter that Bev's not a good person. Yeah. Doesn't matter that Bev's doing all these horrible things. Riley's mother professes in that moment, God, God still loves you. I'm not saying God doesn't love you. And I'm not saying you don't deserve his love. I'm just telling you right now, you're not a good person. And this is why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's something gangster about that, man. Too. It's just like, hey, this is just matter of factly. I'm laying yeah. it down. This Here's what it is. And man, how powerful. I, that almost has to be a freeing feeling, I would think, to say something like that, but not have malice in it. You yes. know? That's the important thing. You know, I get in trouble a lot, I'm going to admit to you. Um, and my wife keeps trying to re-explain to me why I'm offending people. And it's oh. because of my matter-of-factness. Mm. Because I want to talk about religion politics, any other topic like that in a matter of fact way. I don't want to mince words. I don't want to, to, to pretend I believe something I don't. Right. I don't think that benefits anyone. However, I don't feel any malice towards somebody for believing something different from me. Right. That, that, I'm not coming from a place of spite when I say these things. I'm just saying, as a matter of fact, so case in point, I've been asked to speak this next Sunday, and I'm going to speak to the congregation for about 15 or 20 minutes about uh, a, a topic, and, and the bishop of our congregation asked me to speak on the topic of emotional resilience. Mm. And I was thinking about how I was going to approach this topic in a way that I don't think people have thought about it before. And 
it ties into a lot of things that I've been thinking about and I've begun writing about. Uh, and, and it was actually kind of fun because this is going to serve for me as kind of a, a first draft of something that I've been kind of working on. And in, in the plainest terms possible, the theme of this is Jesus the Bastard. Wow, I love it. <laughs> it's interesting, man. <laughs> Coming from the angle... And, and, and Shannon is trying to tell me, he's like, you're going to offend everybody. <laughs> you're, no, you're just, people are going to tune you out because of the matter of fact way that I want to talk about it. Yeah. I, be, and I'm not telling anybody to not believe in immaculate conception. The point of what I'm talking about is that nobody did. Yeah. I, I, so I suggested to Shannon, I said, I think I'm going to go about it this way. I'm going to start the talk by telling everybody that I was immaculately conceived, that my mother's a virgin, uh, ignore that I have an older brother and sister, ignore that I have three younger siblings. My mother's a virgin and I was immaculately conceived. And then ask the question, how many of you believe it? Yeah. Nobody will. So I'll just remind everybody, that's how many people believed Jesus was immaculately conceived in his own lifetime. Yeah. In the Gospels, Je Jesus is never referred to as uh, Yeshua uh, bar Yosef, which would have been, you know, son of right. Joseph. Correct. Yeah. Uh, he, he's referred to only one time as the son of anyone, and that's the son of Mary. And we have to understand that culturally, that would have been the same as calling him a bastard a child. yeah exactly yeah saying you have no father right or or the the guy who's raised you is not your father emotional resilience would be uh you know and 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 to go with that i'm gonna give you my whole talk in about 30 seconds here <laughs> uh jesus comes from nazareth it's even said in, in the in the gospels can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth is such a nothing community. Right. It wasn't even on the maps during the time. Uh, so Jesus is a, a, a hayseed bastard with no, no education, no, no nothing, you know? So that, he's so unimportant that the Jews have to convince Rome to crucify him. Yes. Rome doesn't even want, they don't, they don't care about him. Conscious pilot. And he was like, I He's mean, like, like, I find <laughs> no fault with this man. Right. I wash my hands of the matter. Mm -hmm. And yet. So, so, so Jesus, what, what I'm saying is that he was a nobody in his own time. So to go around and tell everybody that he's the son of God and to create a religion that has lasted over 2000 years Incredible. and has millions of followers who love and believe and revere Jesus. Um, and even non-Christians, uh, Muslims revering Jesus as a prophet yep. and things like that. So uh, the, the impact of this nobody in world history, whether you think he's the son of God or not, or not is so incredible what kind of emotional resilience did Jesus have to possess to be a person of such impact and being such a nobody? Right. And being told his whole life, 
you're just that bastard from Nazareth, man. Yeah. You're nothing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so anyway, that's kind of the angle that I'm going for on this, but it, it, it's, but I want to talk about these things in such a matter of fact way. And I know somebody like you will receive it, you know, of course. And, but, but Shannon is, is telling me, listen, if you use that word <laughs> bastard, you're going to offend a lot of people. And so I said, well, maybe I can say illegitimate. She's like, yes, illegitimate. That'd be better. <laughs> Come on, that'd Simon, be a lot better. Illegitimate. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the more I thought about it, the more I thought words have power. It sounds, honestly, it's more powerful to say Jesus the bastard than Jesus the illegitimate. There's yes. something that doesn't click with that, you know? And so I, I, I argued to Shannon. I said, listen, I could give a nice talk that everybody forgets the next day. Or I could say Jesus the bastard and yeah. no one will ever forget it. No one will forget that. I promise you. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> Which is interesting and, and coinciding that with Midnight Mass, it's hard to forget a lot of the scenes in there because of the, the, the Jesus the Bastard feeling. Like, yes. oh, so let's dive into Riley's character. Very understated, but very powerful character. What a great, what a great actor. What is. a great actor. To, to play those scenes like you say, in a very understated, quiet way, but you see the emotion there. Yes. You see that he is just torn, I mean, torn to pieces. Torn he, to pieces. Talk about a broken individual. Yeah. Yeah. And as it, he encounters the angel with Monsignor Pruitt. Love that scene, by the way, when just the angel yes. comes in there. And then it's just the other side we're on the other side of yeah. that encounter and how that leads into and i was like how you describe a lot of things but like the rowboat scene when he goes out there before sunrise mm. i mean is there is there not a more powerful mo this harkens to the monster movies big time yeah yeah the scene and when the show ends and the screaming is just happening without the music. Oh, gosh. And I actually looked this up. Mike Flanagan, the director, he said that that was completely on purpose because he said that's how it would be in real life. If you yeah. saw what you saw, there's no music playing. It's just horror. Oh, it's just yeah. pure horror. Yeah. And those screams, that actress... I don't Kate remember Siegel. her name. Kate Siegel is the, her I think name? her real name. Um, Not only is she one of the most beautiful actresses, I think she's I've very ever seen. beautiful. Yeah. And I love that she's beautiful in this show wearing trash. Yeah, she does. She looks very like blah, you know? Yeah. And they don't doll her up. She's no. not, she's not the skinny little woman in distress. Let's touch on that real quick. Yeah. Because this is something that really stuck out to me the second watch through. Women are more powerful than men in this show. Yes. Bev overpowers Monsignor Pruitt. Okay. There are some moments where guns are fired in this show. Yeah. Three different women fire guns in this show. 
only one man does. Yeah. Yes. Women, and, and once again, this is not overt. It took me a second time watching it to, to understand this is what's happening. This show shows women are stronger than men. Emotionally, they're stronger. Spiritually, they're stronger. Uh, and, and I just thought it was beautifully done. And that rowboat scene is why I bring it up because Riley tells her, he says, basically, I'm too broken. I can't save everybody. But what I can do is show you without any uncertain terms what's really happening here because you can. You're strong enough yeah. to go back and actually save people. Yes. And he's right. And his sacrifice, which is according to the gospels is the most Christian thing a person selfishly trying to save his own life. He sacrifices himself. Yeah. And that's another thing that once again, I, I didn't see it coming. I didn't, I didn't, see, you know, and then she's like thinking he's going to hurt her out there. He's going to take, and you're thinking he's taking her out there. Something bad's going to happen maybe to her. And he flips the script on her. He's like, I'm not going to do anything to you, but you need to understand what's happening here. Yeah. And imagine, I imagine myself being in that boat and seeing that and like, there's zero evidence to the contrary of what's happening. Like mm -hmm. you see another human being and the sun rises and they completely disintegrate. I'm not <laughs> sure what you have to believe to make that seem not true to you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um there's two extremely poignant death scenes and one is the one we're just talking about and the other yeah. one is that is uh the female character i'm blanking on her name uh is it yes you're talking about monsignor's Green. love interest essentially or no the, actually no. no i'm talking about um the the girl he's in the rowboat with. The oh other... yeah, yeah, yes, yes. When yes, I know what you're talking about now. Both of them in their moments of death have moments of sublime imagination. Yes. And and I loved that. Uh, once again, that spoke to me. Um, in, in the way that uh, I, I once gave a talk on this, and uh, and I've been doing some more writing on it lately. Actually, I've been writing all about this kind of stuff. It's yes, been really have. interesting. <laughs> um, and it, it, what it is is that um, once again, just put it bluntly, God is all in your imagination. Hmm. I'm not saying He's not real. I'm saying whatever you think God is is how you've imagined mm. God to be. Yes has nothing to do with the actual reality of God. You might have a few things right. Right. But uh, the existence of God is so outside of our ability to be consciously aware of that all we can do is imagine God. Yeah. And I loved that in these final moments, these two characters... Um, had these moments of imagination 
Yes. It had nothing to do with if they really were seeing what they were seeing, if he was really holding the hand of the person that he had accidentally killed or, or if she was actually having a conversation with the uh, spirit of, of Riley. It right. had nothing to do with that. It had to do with them having these sublime jumps of imagination that gave, once again, this goes back to our definition of religious fervor, gave meaning and purpose to what they were doing. Yes. Yes. Which also tacks on to, which I thought were some of the best scenes when they're sitting on the couch and they're discussing what happens when you die. And I thought, man, what a super serious conversation to have. Yeah. And have the guts to have that on film in a very, I thought, beautiful way. In which yeah. they, because they both had very, they had different ideas about it, but they weren't ugly to each other about it. It was almost sweet and how they were interacting about it. Riley says, I hope you're right. Yeah. He doesn't agree. Right. That's not, he doesn't view it that way at all. But he loves her and wants her to be happy and to feel the joy that she is imagining. Right. So he says, I hope you're right. Yeah. And I think he was very sincere in that. I don't think he was just saying, I I don't think those were just words. I think he really, in that moment, hoped that she was right. But that conversation leads back to what we were talking about with religious fervor is that we're willing to believe whatever because we want justice. We want right. You know, we can call it righteousness. You can call it whatever you want, but you want what we want in, in religion is for God to make it all better. Yeah. We look at the world around us and we see the horrors going on and we want a god that will make it better and since that god seems completely disinterested in making those things better in this life we say the world to come yeah once again i'm not discounting any of those things what i'm what i'm saying is that the power of our imagination to imagine a God who will make things better. It it can be a beautiful thing and it can be something that guides your life for good. But as this show demonstrates, it can also do the opposite, right? We can also become the Bev of the world. Well and how oftentimes has Christianity been the Bev Man. of, of existence? <laughs> right. And it's in many ways, that's kind of that talk with April. There is a, there's a lot of Bev of Christianity going on in politics aspects of things. Yeah. And also coinciding with how people are feeling about the church capital C and and attendance of church or the perception of church or the antithetical thinking, believing one thing, acting differently. There's a, it, the one, there's a lot of Bev going on. Yeah. And that I think frustrates a tremendous, uh, it frustrates me on a very personal level as a believer 
to, in my heart, you know, read these things, grow up in these things, love people the way I feel like I try to love people, and then to see the opposite of those teachings happening all the time, but then people pump back to, well, you know, we should be this way, but we're not going to be this way. (laughs) You know, that's so frustrating to me, you know? Oh, the world's not perfect. Right. We can't be perfect. It's like, well, Jesus (laughs) actually said, be thou perfect as as thy father in heaven is perfect. And he didn't say it passively. He he said it as a commandment. And, uh, you know, maybe it's not a realistic commandment, but Jesus didn't give us a lot of excuses. Yeah. You know, he, 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 so many times, uh, you know, there was a young rich man who approaches him and says, I'm obeying all the commandments. What more do I need to do? Jesus says, uh, Jesus doesn't tell him, well, just keep doing what you're doing. Sounds like you're doing great. No, he says, give away everything you have yeah. and come follow me. Yeah. Jesus always ups, ups the ante. Always. He never, yeah. He, he, he never <laughs> gives us uh, a point in which we can say, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm good. Good. <laughs> yeah. You know, he always says, no, there's actually more you can do. Uh, Jesus in his own time was basically trying to take down the temple, the temple, which is the, the yes. height of worship. And Jesus is basically saying this place is too corrupt. So the only way you can actually worship God is by going and serving other people and loving yeah. them giving away everything you have come follow me we're gonna go serve we're gonna go we're gonna go love and we're gonna go uh in a very practical way i know i i know that jesus was performing miracles but what were those miracles they were very practical miracles you know he 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 wasn't making somebody rich no he was he was healing leprosy he was giving sight to the blind he was in today's verbiage he was creating equity so that those people had the opportunity to go and live a good life. Yes. Instead of having to live in a leper colony or being a blind beggar on the street. Okay. Now you can see now, now go live a good life. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, now you don't have leprosy. Now you can be amongst everybody. Go live a good life. Yeah. So when I see a, a Christian saying, you know, uh, I'm just going to say it, you know, uh, yeah, I'm not going to beat man. around the bush. When I see a Christian saying, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump because he's the lesser of two evils. I say, I don't think Jesus would ever accepted that answer. I agree. Totally. hundred um, percent. You know, you know, uh, and, and I also don't think Jesus would allow us the excuse of defending a personality like a Donald Trump, mm-hmm. who is the antithesis of Christianity. Completely. Let, let's not let's not mince words there either. Jesus says money is the root of all evil because he sees that it causes corruption. All of the corruption involved in the temple and yeah. between the high priests and, and Rome and things like that is all due to money, gaining riches, all these kinds of things, creating a wealth gap 
between the poor and the high yeah. priests who hold all the power, not only monetarily now, but spiritually and all these kinds of, and, and politically, because the, the Rome only interacts with the high priests, basically, you know, I mean, that's how they interact with the Jewish population is via the high priests at the temple. A lot of people don't know, really know this, but Pontius, his living quarters were, were connected to the temple. I mean, they were basically the same building. <laughs> you know? So right. that's how in bed Rome and the church were. That's how in bed conservative Christian church and Republican, conser- you know what I mean? That's yes, how in bed politics and the church are today. What would Jesus have to say about that? Oof, can you imagine? He'd be like, tear it down. <laughs> He'd be flipping over as he did. He'd flip the table over. Yeah. And show like this is not the way. Yeah, exactly. And, and Jesus, once again, also never minced. I mean, he spoke in parables, so I guess you could say he minced words. But when he spoke about these topics, he was very direct. Money's the root of all evil. Yeah. Uh, you cannot serve two masters. Oh, you can. You know? yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, the, these are. So people, Christianity needs to make a choice. Either you're in bed with politics or you're serving God. You can't do both. Jesus didn't try to do both. Name one time in which Jesus spoke about Rome. Right. You're so right about that. <laughs> Never spoke about Never. the Roman government once, except when he was, I, I can think of two moments. And, and, and one is render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. Once again, dividing the two. Mm -hmm. The other moment was when he said, that the Roman centurion was the greatest example of faith that he had ever, that he had seen. Which once again, ties into the, the show we're talking about. Right. It has nothing to do with if you're Jewish, if you're Christian, if you're Roman. It has to do with being a good person. Yes. It has to do with your actions right. and what you say and what you do. Exactly. And that, I think, is Jesus often distilled things down to what most intelligent people do is they distill things down to the most simple explanation. They don't try to create big words and sound smarter than they are and go, I'm going to give you the most basic third grade understanding of this. Yeah. God loves you. Love God. Love others. As I have loved simple. you, love one another. Yeah, I'm going to keep this real yeah. simple. Yeah. But people create this matrix resurrection style version of life where the story is confusing. <laughs> now all of a sudden it's a movie. It's inside yeah. a movie, but it's not a movie. Did Neo really, did he really, was this a video game? That's what people do. Yeah. God's like, Jesus is like, no, no, no. This is simple. Like a two-year-old could understand this. <laughs> like. Two-year-olds do understand it. They understand it much <laughs> better than, than adults do most of the time. Two-year-olds yeah. understand, you know, uh, I mean, th then there's the terrible twos. Maybe yeah. we'll go for three-year-olds. Okay. Three-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> we up the ante. We up yeah. the ante a little bit. <laughs> uh, but, but children get it. You know, 
my children get it. They're not right about everything, but they're on the, they're on the right idea about everything because my children, uh, they, they want justice and equity for everyone much more than I did when I was a kid. And not because I was, I, not because I didn't want those things for other people, because I wasn't conscious enough to understand yeah. the inequity that was half that, that has right. always existed. Uh, we live in a different world. Now people are, the information is there. Once again, there's no excuse. Yeah. There's no excuse to, to not know something because you can find the information if you want to. If you don't want to, that's totally your choice and that, that's your life right. and you can, you can do whatever you want with it. But to say, I didn't know about such and such thing, <laughs> ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in my own religion, uh, uh, we, we have a, a, a scripture that says, uh, one cannot be saved in ignorance. Yeah. It, 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 saying you, you didn't know something won't is not an excuse. You want to know why? Because of what we keep going back to. Because it's not about if you believed in God and you lived the commandments of God perfectly, especially, let's just say you're, you're in a country where Christianity isn't even allowed to be preached. Mm -hmm. It's not allowed to be taught. What about that situation? Because the situation is you're just supposed to lead a good life no matter what. Yeah. And even that doesn't sound equitable because I understand that a lot of people are in situations. If we go into criminology, why a lot of people fall into crime because they find it's the only, especially in poorer areas. Living a life of crime is actually considered sometimes morally acceptable. Right. The show touches on that too. It does. The mother of uh, Bull. Yes. The drug dealer. Yep. She stood there and she said, he put food on the table when me working two jobs as a single mother couldn't. Yep. So you can sit there and she's misjudging the sheriff, sure. but. But she's she's feeling this righteous indignation yeah. and she's taking it out on the poor sheriff. But she's, you can sit there and judge him with your laws and your rule books and all that kind of stuff. But the fact is, is that he was providing for his family. Yeah, that's the morality of crime in especially in poor, destitute Definitely. circumstances. So we find that maybe God has to grade on a curve. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think when Riley's mother is talking to Bev, she's actually hinting at that. Yes. Because she says God loves everyone. And not everyone is in a position where they even can survive and follow these, all these laws yeah, and commandments course. and things like that. So God has to grade on this curve and allow for everyone's individual circumstances in order for there to be this eternal equity. Yeah. Why can't Christianity, the mainstream, get that? Why can't they, <laughs> they just like grasp that concept? And, and, yeah. and, and, and I don't mean 
individually because I think a lot of individual Christians do. You and I do. Sure, we get it. Of course. So, of course. The, so there, there's got to be lots of Christians who do individually. So why isn't it being taught that way? Yeah. Why isn't it being preached that way? Why? Uh, 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 what do I want to say? Um, as a community. I mean, I keep hearing my conservative Christian friends and family talk about being tough on crime. I was like, is that what Jesus taught? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and has that ever worked? I write. Like during the 90s, we had the three strikes and you're out rule. Uh, what, what did we get? Did we get did we reduced? Oh, crime not really did we get uh over um population of, of prisons yeah yes. that's what we got that's what we got i think jesus he he saw this as you he was very hipped hip to all this he's like this is not what my father wanted you guys this power structure and it also harkens back to the show and say also the dangers of closed-mindedness small-minded mentalities and, mm. and the island was a great setting for that. The yeah, island in itself a great being, metaphor. right? Yeah. The island is the metaphor for the closed mindedness. There's no other closed outside community. influence. It's just a, it's a, in a sense, a commune uh, closed off to the rest of the world. Only boats can get there, all this stuff. It's a, it's a interesting metaphor about yeah. that whole aspect of things. So at the end, um, the island has no power. It has the cell towers gone. There's no communication with the outside world. The boats are burned. Got no, so we're cut off. Cut 100% cut off. Riley's mother and father reunite after the horrors of, of everything that's happening. And they both confirm to one another that they haven't participated in Yes. this murderous bloodlust that's going on. And the mother says something and uh, she, she to, to the, to the idea that she can feel it though. And she yeah. wonders if it will take over her and she won't be able to control it anymore. And the father, and this is an example of actually a, a one of the men actually maybe not, not stronger, but showing yeah. real, strength here and he says i feel it too but we can choose yes i mean moments like that once again i i, I think i got misty-eyed when he said that yeah because moments like that once again are what this show is all about like the messaging is so strong it's so poignant it's so on the you know hitting right on the head you know it's just amazing to me where it's like i understand anger i understand that emotion of wanting to burn it all down yeah but you can still choose you know i understand that emotion of like wanting to go to war but you can still choose. Yeah. You know, and, and what, what an amazing 
moment and, and, and that father character as well, both Riley's parents. Yeah. They could have been just passive characters in Completely. this story and in this plot, but they became so important to what this show had to say about genuine goodness. Yes. And I, and I just thought that was amazing. I just thought that was a, basically every character had a moment to shine. They did. You know what I mean? They did. Yes. Well, what's the guy's name? He's the, the, the guy who worked on all the boats. Oh, and yeah. Talk about like a dunce character, right? <laughs> and, totally and once a dunce again, character. he could have just been the, the henchman, the ignorant right. henchman. Right. But once again, he gets a scene with the teenage altar he boy. He does. And it's such a simple scene. But they both recognize that they've done some stuff tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And when he asked the altar boy, will you forgive me? Yeah. I mean, Another powerful scene. That got me. Gosh. That got me, man. Not asking for God's forgiveness. Not asking, you know, for somebody to come in and, and swoop in and make everything right again. Just acknowledging, I've done some really bad stuff. Yeah. And you're just another human being. Can you forgive me? Yeah. You, you know, I, I just think that's the most powerful thing. Powerful. And that's central to Christianity. As much as you have done it unto others, you've done it unto me. You yeah. know, that messaging right there, being able to look at somebody else who you despise what they've done, you despise what they've stood for, you despise the, what they've said, all these kind of things, and, and still be able to say, I forgive you. Yes. Yeah. It's the anti-cancel culture. It's the anti-cancel culture. Giving someone a chance to become better. Yes. Even though they've fallen on some level. So. Giving them a, 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 the, the benefit of being a human mm. like everyone else. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I dissed on Trump earlier. And I want people to know that I actually have no animosity toward the man. Yeah, and I, I, and, and, and I, and I, I hope the, the best for him, you know, I, and, and that doesn't mean I hope he's successful in all the things that he's doing that I don't agree with that I think are bad for our uh, national community. That has nothing to do with that, yeah. but I know that he's a human being. And guess what? When I, hate something about donald trump it's because i recognize something in myself i mean yeah. isn't that true of all of us of course i recognize something in myself that is greedy that is of course uh wants to put myself before everyone else yeah um, most definitely so that's i mean how is it a vampire movie gets Christianity so right? You know what I mean? I know. How, it's how so is... weird. That's the weird thing about it. You can't tell somebody it's a straight up vampire movie because then it would be Dracula 2000. Or yes, it would literally exactly. be like, it would be like, you know, some whatever basic level Dracula movie that comes out every couple of years. 
Yeah. Like, oh, okay, okay, this, you know, Queen of the yeah. Damned. Here we go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. We know what's He's happening. in a rock band now, and all of a sudden he's making weird <laughs> goth music, but he's living at night. You know, it's like, okay, I've seen this movie yeah. five times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, on this, it's like this vampiric movie that serves as this amazing platform about religion and Christianity and love and spitefulness and evil and believing what you want to believe so badly, you'll put it in a box that may seems really crazy, but you're yeah. going to still stay. There's like the, it's like getting hit with theme after theme after theme. And it's just blow after blow. And then the final episode, which is the, it's just the masterpiece of the whole thing. All those conversations you were saying, the breakdown, yeah. the, the reckoning, what do we just do? Yeah. And Bev we scratching in the sand, Ugh. crying to get away from the sun. You know? Adja adjacent to the, the Muslims she thinks yes. are dirty. And yes. what, are, what are they doing? Right. You, which was that I cried during that part. I cried. They, they sat, man, they kneeled they're down. They're praying, praying together. They're not hiding from anything. They're not hiding from God. Bev, no. so perfect without any words. You just see it happening. You know that she's, metaphorically, she's trying to hide from God. Yes. It just says the sun sheds light on everything. So in our religious perspective, God, sees all and uh so in in trying to hide from the sun she's trying to hide from god yes and she's trying to hide from the judgment of of the 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 the, the fruits that she has sowed yes and it's just an amazing oh. amazing moment i mean there's a part of me that wishes that every show could be so well written and yeah. so well acted and developed and, and produced. But this is why we separate a show like this right. from the others. Or would you appreciate it as much if everything yeah. was great all the time? Exactly. I mean, all. you know, uh, I don't want to sit here and diss on anybody else's show. You know, whenever <laughs> I see a, a bad show, Mm -hmm. I, I always say to myself, well, at least they're working. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just glad All right, somebody that these got actors paid. have a job, yeah. <laughs> that you know, people are working. Right. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, because even in the worst movies, there's opportunity to uh, push the envelope. I mean, yeah, I 100% detest the star wars prequel movies <laughs> same here man actually they're really bad to me yeah there's not a single scene that i enjoy in the star wars oh. prequel movies there's not a single scene that i look at and think that looks great <laughs> however great. uh those movies as far as pushing the envelope of filmmaking forward are immeasurably important actually yeah. george lucas for all of the mistakes he made in the productions of the story and the uh, casting of certain actors and all these other types of things 
um, as far as technolo technologically, uh, very few films in the last 40, 50 years have been as important. Right. I mean, without those prequels, there's no Avengers Endgame, you know? Right. Of course. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah. And whether that's important to you or not is, is open for discussion. <laughs> Uh, but but even without those movies, maybe there's no special effects for even the the vampire in the in, in Midnight Mass. Right. You know what I mean. Right. Uh, so so we can't underestimate the importance of even bad filmmaking sometimes. Uh, but what one of the great services that bad filmmaking does for us is that when a Midnight Mass comes around, we're able to be astonished by it. Astonished. And actually, it's funny. I don't know if we would ever discuss this. I feel like you would like this series because you like a lot of talking and stuff. And I do too, <laughs> but I, I felt very similar about the series dope sick. Uh, on oh, Hulu. that's on Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. And I watched Is that, that Michael thing. Keaton, Michael Keaton puts on a virtuoso and maybe one of his best performances his entire life. All the acting was like a plus plus plus. It was mostly talking. The Is it whole better time. than Mr. Mom? It's definitely better than Mr. Mom. Okay. And, but I like, but let me tell you, I, I like Mr. Mr. Mom. Mom though. I love Mr. Mom, Mom is better than, you know, multiplicity. That's for sure. Whatever yeah. it is. It is. <laughs> hey, he was getting paid. You know, you, you choose those things, but <laughs> yeah. don't say I'm thinking I was watching. I was like, this is a Simon series. Like All this right. is like so that out. deep emotionally. Like I cried several times during it because I was just so riveted by the acting. Oh. Just the acting alone was so special. It's like eight episodes. It's it's like an hour. It blows your mind. And then it makes you ever watch something and it makes you angry. Like when yeah. they make the villain so bad, you're like shouting at the villain on Steve. You're like, I don't like it. it brings out the worst in you. <laughs> That's like Shannon. Shannon does. Shannon was shouting at Bev. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I watched an interview of the character. Uh, the lady who plays Bev, and she is the sweetest, nicest, most jovial human you'd ever seen. And how she transformed herself into Bev is a miracle. It's a miracle, yeah. man. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this show has gotten the attention it deserves. At least I haven't seen it's it. It's not out there. Yeah. No. Um, which is unfortunate because I, I, I view Bev as like a nurse ratchet kind <laughs> yeah. of character yeah yeah but but even better and i'm yeah. not dissing nurse ratchet or 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 or, or that actress and her performance i'm just saying i think bev takes that kind of character and, and just just knocks it out i mean i mean bev, bev should be a legendary villain you know legendary. you know what i mean <laughs> She really should, and she that villain should be celebrated in cinematic history as as one of the one of the greats. You and the scene I mean? when and, Monsignor Pruitt and they find him in the house, and he's clearly had you know taken a bite out of the dude, and he's sitting there all slumped over, and you're thinking this is Bev's chance to kind of be like, "Whoa, what happened yeah. here?" Instead, she just pivots to make it fit the narrative she wants to do. And that, to me, when I saw that, I said, that's what's happening in America. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're just the great pivoting. manipulation. Yeah. The great, uh, 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 yeah, I mean, the great manipulation of the story to where, you know, 
I've been having debate after debate after debate with people recently, you know, one of which was, uh, is, is the United States a Christian nation? Mm-hmm. And my argument to that was, no, just because something's founded by Christian people has nothing to do with it being a Christian nation, because that right. was the argument they were making. You say, well, the founding fathers yeah. were all Christian. And it's like, <laughs> well, good for them. <laughs> Dr. Naismith, I assume, was a Christian, but basketball is not a Christian sport. You know what I mean? Right. It's like... Uh, we have to be able to sell, separate uh, these types of things the way Jesus told us to render unto yeah. Caesar what is Caesar, unto God what is God's. God, America is not God's country. <laughs> right. And that was one of the great. So I don't like any kind of soldiering and army talk yeah. at church. I just don't. Yeah, I, I'm the same Ar- way. Army of God, get out of here with that. Yeah, talk. yeah I'm the same way, man. Like, come on. However, Monsignor Pruitt's talk our you know his army of god talk um while I, I while i still don't like the imagery of the army of god he says so many profound things in there and and he's saying what we're saying right now but he's saying it in much better way than you or i can yes, <laughs> can yes. say it but basically he he's he's saying he doesn't want to disrespect the troops noble uh people who uh are in our military and things like that but he's saying it's vanity basically is what he's saying to fight for a nation is vanity because god doesn't have nation right just because america's been successful does not make america god's nation right does not make it his chosen nation you know what i mean and and there's so many there's so much of this prosperity gospel out there. Oh right my now. gosh. <laughs> and it's been there since the beginning. You yeah. go back to the Old Testament, and when we're good, God helps us. Mm. When we're bad, God doesn't. And he, you know, fire and brimstone down when we're yeah. being bad. And, and when we're good, we 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 get to commit genocide toward other nations because right. right. we're God's favorite people. Uh we need to just get rid of all of that. I mean, that kind of prosperity gospel has nothing to do with what Jesus taught. Jesus never taught anything like that. And there's plenty of stuff in the scriptures, Ecclesiastes and Job, Mm -hmm. especially that preach out against this idea of prosperity gospel. We get things from there. The sun also rises, which I think the the sheriff quotes from, uh, uh, and, and Bev hates that. Oh, does she hate that? (laughs) The idea but then it comes to fruition. That, that was, a, the, the, it, it, I don't know what time we're at, but it, it, if there's another thing that I realized the second time through that I think is really important to say is that this series is a master of foreshadowing. Yes. And it does all the, even the cliche things like in um, Joe's house, there's the rifle that belonged to his father yes. up on the, on the wall. That's right. And there's the old Chekhovian uh, saying that if you're going to have a, a, a rifle, it better go off by the end, you know, and that rifle does go off several times by the end, even though it's only mentioned at one, you know, in, in, in one point in the show and then skipping, skipping, skipping all the way, like, I don't know, three episodes later, yeah. that gun plays no role in right. anything, but then all of a sudden, it's in one of the character's hands, and then it's in another character's hand, and then it's in another character's hand. It's like this this terrible, the gun is like gossip. 
that gets passed from person mm-hmm. to person and with each person that it, you know, that that who holds it death and you know horror you know it never serves a, a good purpose is what i'm trying to say yes yes um and speaking of that oh my gosh the joe character yes When, when the girl that he accidentally shot confronts him in his trailer. Oh, my. Another one of those forgiveness moments. Yes. She tells him under no uncertain terms, I'm still angry. Oh, man. When she says the line, you reached through time and stole from me. Mm. Who says that, by the way? Gosh. <laughs> Who says Talk that? Talk about power, mm. because it 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 demonstrates how even little interactions, the butterfly effect, basically, butterfly, is what it's ripple, what it's yeah. telling us. You know, like when you when we affect somebody in a good way or a bad way, we've reached through time, and we've either helped that person become in you know a better version of themselves or we've stolen from them something that they could have been yeah and i just man the power of that idea shouldn't that change every interaction that we have with everyone (laughs) it should (laughs) I, i mean actually that scene is a a very large crux of how I like to believe I try to exist in life. Yeah. And that I, uh, I just, I got in a big conversation about this with my wife. And then our pastor was talking a lot about this, like at the end of your life, you know, really who's there for you? Who's around when you're dying? Like we're, it's kind of like, okay, this is a wraparound thing. Like I watched the John Madden documentary, which by the way, unbelievable. <laughs> All Madden. It's like one of the greatest most inspirational documentaries I've ever seen. Oh, I'll have to watch it. Because it's literally, it's amazing. It's literally this goodbye love letter from all the people who love John Madden. Oh, And like, it seemed, maybe it's the way they pointed it. I don't know. But like, I mean, they took everybody from the NFL. All these people were falling over themselves to just get one word in about John Madden, Mm. about how important he was to them. And that towards end of his life, that so many people loved him because he just was a good person. Yeah. He was a good dude. He wasn't doing weird stuff that a lot of crazy things happened. He was just oh, like, the, he was the weirdest thing he did was say the word boom all the time and stuff like, you know, and <laughs> del- boom, but he was just a good guy. <laughs> he never reached. My point of it is he never reached through time and stole anything from anybody. Yeah. He never affected people at least from what I saw in a way that devastated another person's trajectory in their mm. life. All he did was be good to people, you know, and he's, and you'll see, and it was like, he was inducted in the hall of fame and, and tell me, I mean, if your kids tell you one day, Simon, you know, you've, you've done all these great things and you're a hall of fame musician and all this, but you were a hall of fame dad. That's what yes. you were to me. I started crying when his kids told him that you were a hall of fame dad. That's what I want to be remembered 
as a right. Hall of Fame human that didn't reach back through time and steal the goodness from someone else. Exactly. Oh, man, that's great. That's perfect. You know, we, we've lost a couple of those people. I think Betty White was one of those yes. people, too. Yes, I think so. You know. And I aspire, honestly, these are the people I, uh, I look and say, man, this is they were not perfect, obviously, people, no one is. Sure. But man, they gave it a good go of being like just as good as you could possibly be within yeah. the scope of time that they had in our cosmos and the space of the universe. They just exemplified probably as good as you could be, you know, with your flaws. And I, I don't know, I aspire to that all the time, you know. And I have no idea what they believed in their life. I don't either. <laughs> you know what I mean? What is it like? It goes back to the importance of it, it, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Because they were just good humans. They would have been good humans had they been communist. Mm -hmm. They would have been good humans had they been socialist. They would have been good humans under any religious guise. You know, that yeah. was just who they are. And the beautiful thing about that is all of us are something, but we're also becoming something at the same yeah. time. So we're never exactly anything. Yeah. we're constantly just becoming so it doesn't matter what we've done or who we are at this exact moment we can always choose to become like those yeah. examples that we're just talking about yeah and it has nothing to do with our affiliation with anything i mean sometimes you recognize you have to disaffiliate yourself mm -hmm. i think you and april ajoy yeah Kind of touched on that the deconstruction aspect yeah. of yeah deconstructing faith on some level yeah, yeah. And, and and sometimes sometimes you do have to walk away from certain things yeah sometimes and that, yeah and that, and that doesn't mean you have to walk away from the people necessarily and, and some even sometimes then too I, I, people have to make their own choices in their own lives and i'm yeah. not going to stand here and say oh well you should never walk away from anyone and you yeah. should never you know get away from that you know because that's not what jesus would do yeah well i think if you know you know jesus actually did say if it be possible let this cup pass from me he, he did actually want to walk away yeah uh, so I'm not going to sit here and tell anybody not to, but, but I, I, I think what we're talking about is that, okay, so let's go back to the Island in this show. All these people went to the same church, right? But they all went various different ways. So it, sh what, what, what we're trying to say here is that it shouldn't matter so much your circumstance, your affiliations, things like that. What should matter is the inner strength that you possess to become the best version of yourself and to learn every day what that means to become the best version of yourself. Yeah. And hopefully you have some people around you who are honest enough to tell you when you're not the best version of yourself. Right. That still love you, but could say, on, I mean, this is how... You're not a good person. <laughs> like, yeah. and maybe you don't, you're not, and maybe and listen, if that's warranted and it's that level, it's that level. Often is like, I don't like what you did. That was yeah, not I, I good. Don't like what, what you, you did. said I don't about like that. such and such thing. Yeah. You know, 
And, and hopefully you have developed relationships with the people around you where that kind of open communication, even when it's really difficult and yeah. really hard to hear or to say, it's taken with love yeah. and it's given with love. Yeah. You know, we're both married long mm -hmm. time. Yeah. I, I just had one of those interactions with my wife recently. And luckily I'm blessed to have been married to a really good person who accepts that kind of feedback. Yes. When I say, you know what, when, when, when you said this thing, and I'm a really easygoing guy, so this doesn't yeah. really happen very often, but yeah. maybe every few years or so, sure. I, I got to say, you know what, when you said this it, it, or, or this particular behavior, it really, it really bothers me in, in a hurtful way. Like it's, it's, it, and so when, when I, when I communicate that, luckily I've developed over these 21 plus years, a relationship with my wife where I think both of us are open to that feedback and yes. open to be able to say, well, obviously I don't want to hurt the other person. Right. I only want to be a source of goodness to this other person. So I am willing to change my behavior. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I mean, so we got to end this, but man, how great was <laughs> this whole thing is like amazing doing this, the movies and stuff yeah. because there's so many themes, especially in this one, this this series. It's I an mean, incredible we, amount of themes. We we could have gone six or seven episodes just dissecting each each yes. episode of the show, Easily. and 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 we would have never run out of very specific <laughs> no. things to say about each episode. Oh man! You know the breakdown of this show. Uh, uh, you know, this should be in the in the Western canon of yeah. filmmaking, and Most it should definitely. be studied, and it should you know uh, filmmaking classes uh, in years to come. They should all be studying this. Scriptwriters should be studying yes. it. Uh, you know, every, everybody involved in the industry should be studying this series. Well know? said. Well said. Well, listen, man. I uh, I would love to hear how it goes with your fifteen minute uh chat coming up let you know jesus let the you bastard know. i want to know all about I'll let, it i'll let you know if they run me out <laughs> yes and i think you will also like coming up on the show in a couple of weeks i have another pastor i have a pastor right. coming on yeah. and it's it's about doing discipleship differently i don't know this uh, guy but i'm thinking when i booked him i said this is another simon special he's going to be very into this like good and, I love uh, it. So I, I will definitely share that. But uh, until next time, man, thank you. You're my thank brother, you. man. You're a, I mean, I can't believe I started off this thing talking to your wife on an episode. I know, right? She yeah. said, oh, you got to talk to my husband. He's doing this incredible journey of 12 albums. And I honestly say we've become really good friends from this whole experience, man. It's yeah, I mean, beautiful. I don't feel that way, but yeah. But sure. you know, okay, I mean, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I got to <laughs> no man i feel the exact same way this is always like one of the big highlights of my month as i look great. forward to this conversation so much well we'll get the next one squared away for yeah. sure man yeah and, uh, thank you so much everyone simon milliman thank you very much talk to you soon